This is Seattle Sports at Night with Curtis Rogers, Jake Heaps, and Stacey Rost on 710 ESPN Seattle. Welcome to another Seattle Sports at Night. A beautiful Tuesday. I'm Stacey Rost. He's quarterback guru Jake Heaps. <laughs> I, How I was tired wondering are you? when I was wondering when this was going to happen. Oh, right away. Right away. I'm we didn't 10 even seconds didn't in. even waste any time. No. I almost I almost had us play a drop, but I didn't. But I thought about it. I want you to know. <laughs> but you're you're good now. I appreciate that. I know, I know. Are you enjoying the sun? Yeah, this is a beautiful weather. Are you kidding me? I was in uh I was actually in New York for the past three days, uh, with Eric Dungey getting him ready for his pro day. No big deal. And uh it was snowing over there. Oh, so well, you were happy to get back? Yeah. I mean it's nice and sunny here in Seattle and it's snowing in New York and I'm like, gosh, I just want to get back home. I know, I know. Well it it feels like opening day weather here, uh, but it's definitely not opening day for a couple hours. But we're going to get into that on today's timeline. Okay, so it's Mariners opening day. They'll open the regular season in Tokyo with a game against the Oakland Athletics. So 710 ESPN Seattle is going to have the broadcast. We have 1.30 a.m. pregame and play-by-play at 2.35 Marco Gonzalez is going to get his first career opening day start. He pitched 13 innings through Cactus League play with a 9.45 ERA. And probably the biggest conversation starter coming out of this is that Ichiro is going to get the start. Me and Curtis got into it yesterday. Really? What was what was the conversation? The conversation was that Curtis, I had no opinion. Yeah. Not even no opinion. I veered toward being fine with it. Okay. Curtis said that it is again going against what the Mariners are saying they're doing, which is giving young guys a chance and not focusing necessarily on wins, but focusing on developing guys. Come on, Curtis. Here's the thing. They, they knew from the beginning that they were going to take Ichiro on this trip to Japan. And the, the reason why I'm fine with it for the time being is, is that this is a ceremonial thing that I think Ichiro, through this, through this organization, the Mariners, uh, this is a really cool opportunity, and and uh, and so I'm willing to celebrate that moment. But then when it's time to come back home and have opening day pitched here in Seattle, yeah. uh, I do not believe Ichiro should be on this roster, and I don't anticipate that's, them doing that. That's so what I'm that's why I don't think it's a big deal. If Ichiro is still on the roster when he comes back, uh, then there's something to definitely talk about. I'm going to skip one. I'm going to keep it with baseball here because I want to get into Mike Trout's make a deal with the Angels. They're giving him a 12-year extension worth at least $430 million, Man. which is one of the biggest contracts in U.S. sports history. So this is interesting to me for a couple of reasons, the biggest of which, I know you were talking about Bryce Harper, so I want to hear your opinion on that, but the biggest of which to me is that he's cementing his future with a team that they're not wasting his talent. We all get to see his talent. He's fun to watch. If you right. like baseball, you love Mike Trout. Yes. Period. But it's just this fascinating relationship. And Brent Stecker uh, for 710 Sports drew a comparison between Felix Hernandez's time when he was in his prime in the Mariners. Yeah. Um, so this just keeps that relationship going. So will the Angels be able to catch up and support him? Is he going to continue to... He's never won a playoff game. Yeah, and that's the crazy thing. When you have such a talent like Mike Trout, uh, he belongs in the playoffs, right? You want to see that type of player in the playoffs, and can that organization surround him with enough talent? Because they're also taking on another big contract in Albert Pujols, uh, and he hasn't been living up to that contract at all, and they still got multiple years left on that deal uh, with him. So 
it's it's a tough situation. You give a guy who's very deserving of this contract. I have no issues with it. Mike Trout is one of the best and will continue to play at an extremely high level uh, for a long time. But yeah, you're right. It's it's interesting. He stays he stays with the Angels. He's not able to you know unless they fill you know the talent around him. Uh, he's going to be in a situation where will he ever get to a playoff? I. I don't, I don't know. know, man. Right? Like Russell Russell, and all these different guys, it's about winning. Can they win? Yeah. Can they still get their contracts and sustain that? Whereas, whereas Trout is basically saying, look, I love it here. I love this organization. A loyal I'm go- guy. I, I loyal. I'm going to get paid. They're going to pay me. Uh, and, and I'm content and happy with that. Obviously, I want to win. But look, I, my financial security is set. And I'm going to continue to go out there and be one of the best players day in and day out. Uh, that's kind of a, I don't know. It's it's kind of tough as an athlete to make that decision. But hey, thirty five million dollars a year. For sure, I'm yeah. not going to be mad at that. Not turning that down. All right, let's get into the NFL. The Seahawks today met with wide receiver Jordy Nelson and Aaron Lynch. So it's the second week of free agency, bringing up a few intriguing rumors. Um, Jordy Nelson, obviously well known, spent nine years of his career with the Packers. Seahawks fans are very familiar with him. The Packers have been a big part of some big moments in Seahawks history. Yes. Uh, Aaron Lynch, lesser known. Lesser known. We're going to unpack these two topics here in a little bit, but it's interesting to when you dive into both guys, uh, Aaron Lynch is a talented guy. He's still got, you know, when you talk about years, he's under 20 or under 30 uh, and has had productive moments mm-hmm. in his career. But has he reached his ceiling? Has he tapped out? That's the question that I think needs to be answered here. Yes, it's an intriguing guy who hasn't been productive the last two years. Maybe you can resurrect his career. And Pete has been known to do that with certain guys. But I don't know if this is the right one. And with Jordy Nelson, I think the talent speaks for itself. Uh, it's not like he's the version of himself that was a pro bowler, all pro type of receiver. But, I mean, for what what we want, what we need from a Seahawks perspective, I, I think that he would definitely fit that role of being that X receiver that can be consistent, reliable, big-bodied. He he had 76 receptions last year, so he can definitely still play. He's just not going to be the deep threat, and you don't you're not asking him to do that. You have Tyler Lockett and Doug Baldwin, so he's just that complimentary piece. But well, again, there's a lot to unpack in those. It's going to be interesting because I think we've got differing opinions on both. Yes, we so do. So we're going to get into it at 7:15 and 7:30. But for right now. Some more NFL news. A couple other free agent moves that are semi-related to the Seahawks. A new signing in the division, and then a former Seahawks signs elsewhere. So Bruce Irvin signs with the Panthers, which ah, feel like division opponents for gosh. Seattle. Yeah, it does. And that one kind of, I saw that one today, and it kind of, I don't know why it hurt me as much as it did. I was really hoping to see Bruce, Bruce Irvin back. Was this as big of a rumor? I don't know where my mind was. I feel like all I've been tracking for the last week has been free agency moves, <laughs> and I don't remember feeling like this was something that was that close to being it, it wasn't. True. It wasn't. Okay. It was just, it's just it, something we think it, every year Yeah, now. it was just floated around out there, and obviously Bruce, Bruce Irvin, we always like, oh, what, you know, it'd be great yeah. to have him back, and he's a productive Good player. Good relationship with the team. Good yeah. relationship with the team, but also a productive player. When you look at from a value standpoint, mm-hmm. he's one of those guys that could have fallen into that position. Obviously doesn't, goes to Carolina, and that's where it'll get interesting to see where the Seahawks go, trying to find that value guy to be that edge rusher, that complimentary piece next to Frank Clark. The uh, NFC West got a new addition that you're familiar with, Clay Matthews. We've mm. watched him for a long time. Yes. I, uh, how do you rate the rest of – you don't have to do grades. Yeah. But um, 
I feel like the Rams have money that I don't know of that they're using. <laughs> I don't know where it's coming from. Right. It's like every team follows a cap, and then the Rams are, I don't even know, Monopoly money. It, it feels like that, right? And it feels like at some point here in the next couple of years, it's just going to crumble, uh, and they're going to have to make some tough decisions, especially when Jared Goff's contract is going to come up. Uh, it's it's going to you know affect things for sure on this roster for them. But you know, with with Clay Matthews, I think they get him at somewhat of a value deal over two years, and uh, it'll be interesting to see what kind of production he's going to be able to give. Because with the Packers over the last two years, it's dropped off significantly from the All Pro level that mm-hmm. we're all accustomed to with Clay Matthews, and he was another guy that was really intriguing to me. If you could get him at a decent value deal for the Seahawks, obviously he had played for Pete Carroll, knows him extremely well, yep. uh, would be a solid Sam linebacker. Fills a need. Yeah, he would fill a need as in terms of being able to get to the quarterback um, and being that veteran presence. So, uh, you know, hey, he's going to be in the division. It's going to make the Rams tougher, uh, and uh, it'll be fun to watch him play and see what he if he can continue to capitalize on maybe in the later half, yeah. you know, resurrecting his career. Absolutely. Um, we've also got some play-in games that start tonight. So one is already over. Fairleigh Dickinson, I already know I'm saying this wrong, beat Prairie View A&M 82-76 earlier this evening. They'll go on to play number one Gonzaga. So all you Zags fans, I'm sure you were tuned into this game. Absolutely. Is it going to be an upset? I don't know. Who knows? Um, and right now, Temple versus Belmont with the winner going on to play number six, Maryland. Tomorrow, we've got some more NC Central versus North Dakota State. Winner will play number one, Duke. And St. John's versus Arizona State. Winner will play number six, Buffalo. I'm excited for Arizona State. I don't I, know. Yeah, it, it's going to be fun to watch. And this whole thing is going to be interesting. I, I'm really excited for the Zags, honestly, Stacy. I believe that for the Zags this year, they have the right pieces around them from you know, all around. They have the size, the length. Uh, I know everybody talks about them year in and year out and with the with the conference being weaker, but I believe that they have the right pieces. Rui is so fun to watch, uh, and I, I have high expectations for this team more than I normally do. No, I totally agree, and I'm very down for James Harden filling in his entire... I like school loyalty with brackets. <laughs> if they're a 16 seed, take them all the way. Let's go. Who cares? All right, there's plenty of national news to talk about, but we're going to take it back to Seattle, specifically back to Seahawks Free Agency. Would Jordy Nelson be a good fit for the Seahawks? That's coming up next on Seattle Sports at Night. You're listening to Seattle Sports at Night with Curtis Rogers, Jake Heaps, and Stacey Rost. Powered through the Alaska Airline Studio on 710 ESPN Seattle. You're listening to Seattle Sports at Night. Stacey and the Guru. You thought you would get away from it. You I, thought I, you I would thought, just drop this during the break. I thought this would be like a one-time thing at the top of the show. And Why would, would you go think away. that? I don't know. You're, you're probably right. I just need to, you know, it's one of those things where I need to either, you know, deflect or I just need to embrace. I think you need to embrace it. I think we all have things. I've embraced that I'm a very tiny human. Um, and instead of being sad that I can't reach things or that I can't uh, go on certain rides at theme parks, Yes. Um, I've I've now embraced. I can hide oh, anywhere, Stacey, anywhere. I can so hide sad. anywhere. I'm always comfortable on planes. You don't know the struggle, Jake. You've uh, never been told you can't go on a ride at a theme park before. <laughs> it's probably saved I my mean, life. When I, when I was like four, when I was okay, we don't four or five, but <laughs> we don't need that's to. That's terrible. Get into it. I'm so sorry. It's that's fine. Terrible. You know who I thought was short until literally yesterday when Curtis told me. Yeah, who? Jordy Nelson. You thought Jordy Nelson was short? 
I think it's the name Jordy. And he's white? Is that what it is? I'm not saying that's not it. <laughs> <laughs> I think in my mind, it's like Cole Beasley and him they just become right, just, the same person, Dan- morph together. Yeah. Julian Edelman, Danny Amendola. They just, I do just start becoming one, you know? Yeah. I, pff, fine. Whatever. But it turns out he's not. <laughs> and uh, it turns out he, he could be a good fit for the Seahawks. Um, at least that's what some people are saying. Uh, he was last with the Raiders on a two-year, $14 million deal, um, was released by the team, so presumably would be cheaper than that $7 million a year. Has a history there with John Schneider, who was in the war room in 2008 and was a big advocate for drafting Nelson. Um, but the big question is, with $15 million in cap room, can slash should the Seahawks make this move? It's it's an interesting question. Uh, I I love it from a from an offensive standpoint and a quarterback standpoint. Right. You, you want all the weapons that you can throw to, right? Uh, and I think the fact that Jordy Nelson right now in his career and where he's at and coming off a big contract, he's not necessarily in huge need for a big deal. Uh, obviously, in his reputation and what he's been able to do in this league, he's going to try and get as much money as he possibly can. I just don't know what that market looks like for Jordy Nelson. But the fact that he hasn't been snatched up tells me a lot. Um, Does so, it tell you he's being selective or that maybe those workouts that teams are concerned about what he's asking for or his age? Both. I believe okay. it's both. I believe that you put all those factors into it with what he wants and also the team that he wants to go to. I think that that is a very short list for Jordy Nelson. Uh, and, and so if it comes down to it where – he's looking to play on a team that is that is poised to make a playoff run, then I think the Seahawks are one of those teams that would be a really good fit for him as long as the contract is manageable. I'm not saying we need to get Jordy Nelson no matter what, and we should really try to extend ourselves to get this guy. Yeah. I don't believe that. You're saying if it falls into your lap, you're not mad at it. No, I am I am thrilled. I am thrilled because this is a need for this team. Uh, you know, is it the most pressing need? No, it's not. Like there there's definitely more needs for But the, it's an intriguing need. For it makes your offense a heck of a lot better. It's when you go shopping and you go gift shopping and then all of a sudden you realize all the things you want that you maybe don't need to spend money on, but all of a sudden you're like, I've never seen this here before. It's not going to be here when I get back. Correct. I have to do this now if I want this. Right now. And it's a tough decision, right? You're battling with yourself. You know it's probably not the best thing, but hey, you can pull it off. You can make some more money. You you, you can work harder. I don't know. Uh, for for Jordy, this is a guy that will would be a big-bodied, nice X receiver for this team that can add reliability and consistency outside of Tyler Lockett and Doug Baldwin. And I think it's specifically for that reason that Brock Heward says he wouldn't be a good fit. Mm. Um, He had something to say this morning about uh, Jordy Nelson's role on special teams. Okay. To give him any money, even Jerron Brown money, two, three million bucks, I don't think it makes sense. And I'll make my point that I made earlier to you, and that is special teams. Mm -hmm. This team struggled to cover kicks. This team right now has not signed back Nico Thorpe, who I would argue is their best special teams player. Will they? I hope so. Will not count against their compensatory. And this group has to get better in that phase of the game. If you want to sign a kicker and pay him the most money of any kicker because you know you're going to play close games, you know what else you need to do? Make sure that you bolster your reinforcements in the special teams phase of the game. And a guy like Jordy Nelson or a guy like Jermaine Curse does not bring that to the table at all. 
So that's the thing for for Brock that makes sense to me is that this is a player that's who knows if he wants to come in and all of a sudden participate on special teams. Presumably, he would be replacing that third receiver spot where you would see a Jerron Brown. Jerron Brown had the second highest percentage of special team snaps among all wide receivers, second only to Tyler Lockett, who's obviously a return specialist. And I know that when we look at those stats, um, you look at 166 yards this year for Jerron Brown, over 700 for Jordy Nelson, and it wasn't even his best year. Right. And and it seems like it's not even a fair comparison. At the same time, when Jerron Brown was targeted, which was only 19 times, mm-hmm. he made the most of it. He had 14 receptions and five touchdowns, which is tied for second for the Seahawks. Right. And I don't know that if the Seahawks... The Seahawks already have a hole on special teams without Nico Thorpe, who they haven't signed yet, who would presumably be someone you'd want to bring back. Maybe he's asking for a lot. Maybe they have their eyes set on a different defensive back. Who knows? But you've lost Justin Coleman, who contributed on special teams. You don't have Nico Thorpe, who's one of your top contributors as well. Yeah. If you bring in Jordy Nelson and pay him more than Jerron Brown, presumably you have to add someone else to special teams, move someone else around, and it just doesn't make sense. Yeah. When you look at it from that lens, uh, I definitely understand where you and Brock are coming from. Uh, At the same time, I look at it and I go, okay, you have a David Moore on your roster that you just tendered, right? Mm -hmm. And David Moore has not been a massive contributor to special teams outside the fact that maybe he's done a couple kick return, punt return situations on a rare basis. And and so now you're setting a precedent for a guy that they're hoping turns into more, uh, and I believe that he could develop into more. But last year... He dropped off. He had a couple really nice games, and then yeah. he dropped off. And Jerron, and Jerron Brown dropped off in terms of his production. So there were spurts in you know two or three games where they came on, but that was it. That's all you got, whereas you could get a guy like Jordy Nelson at a 2 to $3 million deal mm-hmm. who could be a major contributor to your team at a guy that you can absolutely, that Russell can sit back there and say, I can throw this ball and I can trust that he's going to be in his spot at the right time in the right place. And he simply wasn't able to do that with Jerron Brown and David Moore. So that's why I am intrigued by this. And the fact that Seattle is even bringing him in for a visit tells me a lot and tells me that they are interested, whether they move on the deal or not, it remains to be seen. But I think that they have that figured out in their mind from a special team standpoint uh, how they would replace and move those pieces around if they were to add a Jordy Nelson. No, that's a really good point, looking at the position itself as signaling that they are looking for some help there. And I think so much of the focus has been Seattle's run-first team. Can they shore up that offensive line? Oh, look, the offensive line took a step forward. Can you secure DJ Fluker? And just following that narrative, and I think that too often, outside of Doug Baldwin, and Tyler Lockett, who had a breakout year last year, and obviously his rookie year was stellar on special teams, yeah. there haven't been stellar w- receivers. I mean, it's been a good group and a good group of contributors, mm-hmm. um, but it's never been something that, outside of Seattle, people have paid a lot of attention to. Well, let me make this point as well. If people out there are going to pound the door in the fact that, gosh, we just don't have an intermediate to short pass game, well, guess what? you got to have guys that can do it. And Jordy Nelson is that big-bodied guy that can help you get that, that consistent guy who's going to be there in the right places in the right time. And also what I've wanted for this is for that intermediate to short pass game to evolve. 
just because they were a heavy run first team this year and a deep play action pass, that is the formula. That's the basis of what they want to do. But if this thing is going to work, if Brian Schottenheimer and Russell Wilson and this whole thing is going to flourish into a potential Super Bowl, then you have to develop those weaker areas. And the way that you can do that is by adding a Jordy Nelson type of player uh, that can bring that level of consistency, that can bring the reliability, not just with Doug Baldwin, Tyler Lockett. Now you add a third guy, another dimension to this, that can really open things up. Yeah, it's certainly a position group I'll be keeping an eye on, and I'm sure all of you will as well. Uh, Jordy Nelson isn't the only free agent that's been linked to the Seahawks this week. That second player is lesser known, but would he be a better fit? One of us thinks so. (laughs) One of us does. That's up next on Seattle Sports at Night. Live from the Alaska Airlines studio, this is Seattle Sports at Night with Curtis Rogers, Jake Heaps, and Stacey Rost on 710 ESPN Seattle. Welcome back to Seattle Sports at Night. Don't forget, you can listen to our show via the 710 Sports app, driven by your Puget Sound Acura dealers. Coming up next, for Down Territory. That's in 15 minutes, but right now, we need to get into some questions about another player the Seahawks have been linked to, outside linebacker Aaron Lynch. Who is Aaron Lynch? <laughs> ah, that's a good question. Thank you. I worked hard on it. <laughs> so I, I did a bit of research today. I'll be the first to admit that I was not super familiar with him. And if you say that you were, you're probably a liar. <laughs> <laughs> um, his <laughs> He uh, was drafted by the San Francisco 49ers in 2014. His two strongest seasons were actually his freshman year with the 49ers and then his sophomore year in 2015 when he got the starting job. After that, it kind of went downhill. He had six combined starts the next two years. Last year, uh, signed with the Bears. He had he had some pluses, like his first career interception. <clears throat> Sack numbers went up, tackles went up, but nothing that was jumping off the page. Yeah. Um, so one thing I will say is that Dave Wyman does like him. He had this to say. Yeah, Aaron Lynch, I've been impressed with him, uh, watching him. And I remember him and Michael Wilhoyt thinking both of those guys were, you know, really good linebackers and, and edge rushers and everything. And uh, with the 49ers, when, when he was down there, he was very effective. But just didn't work out very well for him in uh, in Chicago. But, yeah, I just it, I would love to see them get another pass rusher in, in free agency because they've got some young guys that uh, – that they can develop and that I think Jacob Martin and Rasheem Green, I think are going to end up being good pass rushers that can maybe get you, you know, six, seven, eight sacks a year, but uh, you don't really know that. So it'd be nice to get somebody who's been doing it for a long time. Like you said, he's only had four sacks in the last couple of years and he's missed some games Aaron Lynch has. So, but for a while there watching him in San Francisco is it's pretty good, especially in 2015. So when I first read about the Seahawks' interest in Aaron Lynch, my immediate thought was someone whose career has uh, downturned a bit, Mm -hmm. um, who's still young um, and familiar with your division uh, and presumably would be cheap because of that. Right. And then we had a conversation, and I I don't know that my mind's totally changed, (laughs) but... I think you brought up some good points, specifically comparing him to Deion Jordan. Yeah. I, when you look at it from the perspective of Aaron Lynch and Deion Jordan, Aaron Lynch is a guy that, to me, has shown that his production has dropped off. 
And when you're talking about an uh, edge rusher getting constant pressure on the quarterback and making life easier for Frank Clark or taking advantage of one-on-one blocking because Frank is getting all the attention, uh, I don't see that upside, that, that ceiling with him right. right now in his career. Whereas Deion Jordan, he was a former third, third overall pick, uh, just couldn't get things started, but was a freak of nature in Rock every aspect. Rock not stop talking about his body. Oh, he, yeah. Just he the, still the, talks about the it. The body obsession was was He uh, was the winner of Body Show number one yes, contestant. Yes, absolutely. And, and, and he's right. I mean, the, the guy was unbelievable uh, <laughs> in terms of just his physique was just like, I, I couldn't believe it. And I'm, I'm grateful that I never had a, I didn't get hit by anybody like that. You know, the size <laughs> of him was incredible. Um, but when you look at it, I, I'm more okay with that decision that the Seahawks made. Yeah. It didn't pan out for him, right? Uh, but he was his ceiling was way higher, and I believe it's still very, very high. He just hasn't been able to overcome injuries, whereas Aaron Lynch, there's off-the-field issues. Um, there's also just since his rookie year, his first two years in the season, he just hasn't produced that much. So I'm not sure why Aaron Lynch has become a hot name, a hot rumored name. Yeah. Uh, but I'm not. It's one of those guys that it'd be interesting to see what he could do, but it, it wouldn't get me excited. I believe that there's there's better names out there right now uh, than Aaron Lynch. I I want to hear those names, and the reason I think he's become a big thing is that it's just that the Seahawks have been so quiet that people hear a name and we're like, cool, we have all the time in the world, nothing's happening. Right, gonna research this guy. Um, but. I think that it would be interesting to see if they make another move. Who are do you have a few of those names you would think of? Well, I think the first guy that comes to mind right off the top is uh, Ezekiel Ansa. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a guy that is commanding more money, so he's not necessarily the value that you would want to get. But if he continues to slide in in terms of this free agency, who knows? Maybe you could pick him up on a value deal, and that would be an absolute steal uh, for the Seahawks on a one year deal. Um, you know, there's there's other guys like Derek Morgan, um, Adrian Claiborne from the Patriots, uh, who had a great year in 2017, 2018. His production dips off because of injury. Obviously, that scares you. But if he comes back healthy, that's a legitimate pass rusher that you could land. Uh, Nick Perry from the Packers is available. Mm-hmm. But, you know, those two guys I just mentioned, you just don't know what kind of money they're looking to command. That's the problem. Well, and presumably if they're still available, it might be higher than some teams are willing to pay. Exactly. And and so it doesn't always come to, well, they just don't have the interest. Well, they're, they're just trying to find the right team that's willing to fork up the money or the right situation. Another guy that keeps coming up is Vinny Curry, uh, DN oh, yeah. from the Buccaneers, uh, a guy that his sack numbers aren't huge, but his pressure numbers are. And so when you look at that, that's that's a guy that would be a great addition. So that's what the Seahawks are in. That's why an Aaron Lynch comes up is because you're trying to find because of the where you where you're at in your cap space is you are really trying to maneuver and get a valued signing mm-hmm. that makes sense both production on the field and for the cap space. No, I agree and I'm I'm surprised a that there's so many available defensive ends. I know that there were a lot of High value defensive players hitting free agency that are that are eating up a lot of that money in those big contracts. But a couple of these names I'm really surprised by. And maybe it is good news that they're staying on the market longer because Seattle does need help with the pass rush. When I say what does Seattle need help with the most, mm-hmm. the number one answer for me would be pass rush. And I think for for most people. And I don't know, is that yours? You have to answer. What <laughs> 
I, I think I think it I think it is. I think that's the number one thing is that they they do need to uh, yeah. get some help in in terms of a pass rusher and that defensive line in general. We've talked about this multiple times, Stacy. Is when you look at the team and where they've been the most successful, it's because of the fact that they have had such depth at the defensive line position mm-hmm. and have had those edge rushers that can get to the quarterback. And when you talk about your secondary, that's a position where they benefit from the amount of time that a quarterback has to throw. When you looked at Kirk Cousins, you had Adam Thielen, Stephon Diggs, and they were almost a non-factor in the game. Why? Because they were able to get a ton of pressure on Kirk Cousins. And so that's what they need to do on a consistent basis if they want to make a legitimate playoff run and get to the Super Bowl. Yeah, and if they don't go with any of these signings in free agency, uh, even someone like an Aaron Lynch, I'm still really curious to see what kind of step forward Jacob Martin and Rasheem Green can make. I know yeah. Dave Wyman mentioned them uh, in his clip from uh, Clayton earlier today. Um, but those are two players, particularly Jacob Martin, um, who I think really impressed Dave Wyman, um, but also a lot of the people here who were looking for how can the Seahawks replenish this group? Um, obviously, last year they were going in without Cliff Averill, without Michael Bennett. Um, Frank Clark hadn't started a full season yet. Right. Last year was his first year doing that. No one saw Jaron Reed having the season that he had. Um, and so I think those were some surprises to come from that. But another thing you have to consider is that all eyes were on defending against Frank Clark and, and what's going to happen when some of that gets spread out. Um so are you going to see a breakout season from those younger guys? Are they going yeah. to take advantage of not having some of some of that attention? Yeah, it's it's a great question, and that goes to the development of this program. What is it going to be that that a Jacob Martin can do? A Rasheem Green because Rasheem Green was a he was a preseason All Star, right? He was a Pro Bowler after the preseason, uh, and then significantly dropped off uh, during the regular season and was not really a presence. Jacob Martin had some really nice moments, uh, showed great explosion off yeah. the edge. Can he develop into an every-down guy or you know a guy that can play more snaps uh, and, and be stout both as a pass rusher and in the run game? Uh, that's the big question that I have. Uh, and so, like I said, I, I'm looking for a complete depth at the defensive line position, both in the, in the ability to get to the passer and also in the run. Uh, because that was something that was also very inconsistent. Both both the uh, ability to get to the passer and the ability to stop the run, uh, that that's questions that they have to fill. And I feel like right now, if they don't sign anybody before the draft, mm-hmm. then that goes to show me that they, that's the direction. That's where they're, they're going. Yeah, that's the direction that they're going to head into going into the draft. From the 253, agrees with you. I'd rather see a run stuffer. We got gouged in the ground last year. Yeah, and I can't, You're not wrong. No, he's definitely not wrong. And when you talk about Bobby Wagner's production early on in the season, uh, people have to remember that defensive line, and especially those interior linemen, play a huge factor in the success of linebackers. Yeah, I think there's not as much of a focus on them. It's not as glamorous no, they're as like a the DN. O- they're like the offensive line. Exactly. The guys that don't get enough credit but are, are – you know, a factor in a lot of the success of a front seven. Absolutely. That's, you know, with KJ and Bobby having the success that they've had, it's because they've also benefited from having one of the best defensive line, in particular, really strong defensive tackle play, where the the tackles are then asked upon by Bobby and KJ, and they've done an excellent job with that, obviously. We need to do that for a Jake Heaps film room. 
All we right, need you to break it. down how important defensive tackles are. And it sounds elementary, but I think Deal. we could all really learn something. I think it would be awesome. All right. We're going to take a step back from Seattle's specific free agency moves and take a look at this team more broadly. They've got some big questions heading into 2019. We'll explore a few of those with four down territory. That's coming up next on Seattle Sports at Night. This is Four Down Territory on Seattle Sports at Night. About that time, we've got Jake Heaps. I'm not going to say it. Come on, Stacey. Just say I'm it. Not, you know, the I know. quarterback guru, Jake Heaps, is in here. <laughs> that's the last time in the show, I swear. I will not say it again today. I don't believe you. But I'm but not that's promising okay. anything about that's, tomorrow. That's okay. That's all right. <laughs> but he really is. You know a ton, and that's why... We ask you these questions for four down territory. I've got some good ones. I hope you're ready. I'm ready. All right. Number one. Question number one. Do you see the Seahawks extending either Russell Wilson or Bobby Wagner this summer? Yes, I see them extending both. Uh, Ooh. I I, I really do. Um, These are two guys that are the big pieces. Uh, And, again, when you talk about your defense and your offense, you know, I know we like to use, you know, these different terms, cornerstones of your franchise. I like to say Lynch these guys fans. I like to say that these guys are the keystones. You know, the little you got the little oh, arc in the archway okay. and you have this little keystone there that holds everything. You take that out and the whole thing falls apart. Interesting. And those guys are the keystones of your offense and your defense. And without those guys, you have huge holes that you just simply can't fill. And you never know if you're going to get those type of players again. Do they come at a major expense? Yeah, uh, they do. You know, Russell's contract is going to be around $35 million. If you just look at it from Aaron Rodgers' percentage that he hits the cap, then, you know, you move that to 2018. What does that number look like? It's $35 million. Mm-hmm. And that's most likely what's going to happen with Russell Wilson. Uh, and I don't see the Seahawks letting Russell go. I don't see Russell asking for an astronomical number other than around that number that that's going to make sense. And he deserves that absolutely with what he's done for this team and who the player he's going to be. And, and I think he can sustain this and get even better over the next few years. Um, and Bobby Wagner is the same type of deal. Now it's a little more risky, third contract, defensive player, middle linebacker, but I very much view Bobby in the same vein that you're able to see Ray Lewis and Brian Erlacher. Those guys could play at a high level for a very long time. Bobby is just, he's a freak of nature. Pete Carroll's called him a future Hall of Famer. And I I absolutely agree with that in every breath and vein. And I know how this guy works. I know how he approaches the offseason. He works hard. He's consistent. And so if you're going to bet on those two guys and pay that kind of money, they're they're uh, there isn't two better guys to pay that kind of money to. No, I totally agree. And we've talked about this, that the old adage has always been, you don't want to go over 15% of your salary cap for your quarterback. I just don't think that's the world we live in right now. The NFL right now, the cap rises every single year, but that quarterback salary is increasing, I think, at a faster rate. Yeah. That number's already been surpassed for a couple teams. So it's just going to have to happen. I think it's the nature of the beast. Seattle's going to have to do it. It's so hard to find a franchise quarterback. And likewise, it's hard to find that kind of player for your defense, which is who Bobby Wagner is. Right. Bobby Wagner and Russell Wilson are going to command the top salary at each of their positions because they're, Bobby Wagner is the top player at his position right now, and Russell Wilson is certainly in that conversation. Yeah. I think what we always hear is a conversation about, well, how much is Russell Wilson, how much is he responsible for the success of this team? It's yeah. a team that, it's almost like the narrative of this team from 2013 and 14 still follows them today. Mm-hmm. Where 
it used to be, well, Russell Wilson leans onto the defense. He hasn't had that defense for a while. Yeah. I mean, that secondary was not present last year. Yeah, not at the same caliber. And and what Russell does for you is is you know the bottom is never going to fall out uh, with him. And with the team that they had this year and what he was able to do, he had an MVP type of season. Now, it wasn't the same numbers as Patrick Mahomes and Drew Brees and some of these other guys. But what he did with the less amount, with a a heck of a lot less less, in, in in terms of his attempts and all that, uh, he was incredible. And so he fits exactly what this system wants and needs. And he's a winner, right? He helps them win games. And Russell gives you, you know, two to three games on top of what you normally would do because he is so special in the fourth quarter. So that alone, uh, in terms of, and also in playoffs and Super Bowls, you got to have an elite franchise quarterback. I'm going to tell you a date, and I want you to tell me if you think both deals will be done before then. Okay. August 3rd. For, for both deals? For both deals. Mm, no. August 31st. Yes. Is there 30, are there 31 days in August? <laughs> <laughs> I believe, yes, I believe so. DJ said yes? Know. Okay. Yeah? Okay, Back good. checking? Good, good, got good. it, got okay. it. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Yep. Uh, yeah, I believe that uh, by August 31st, uh, if that is the real date, that yes, that would get done by then. Uh, before training camp obviously would be ideal, but I, I think that Russell's contract discussions are going to bleed a little bit into training camp, hopefully get resolved beforehand, and then Bobby's is going to get resolved around that same time frame. Got to hold you to that date. If it's not true, you're out of okay. here. Okay, you're right, you're right. Number I, two. Can't be the guru anymore. <laughs> Finally, you'll be happy. In Seattle's Super Bowl winning season, their recipe for success appeared to be a powerful run game and a hard-hitting secondary filled with all-pro caliber players. The run game made a return in 2018. Will the secondary do the same this year? Honestly, no. Uh, Here's the thing. Keeping it real today. No, the, the, the secondary just simply will not be the same. What we were able to witness over the last few years was incredible with the Legion of Boom. It's something that will never happen again. I don't think most again. teams will see that again. It's not even them not being able to have the draft stop no. or whatever. It's usually you don't hit on that many picks in that short a time. It's right? a once in a generation, maybe once in a two generation thing to happen, yeah. to have that talent uh, across the board and that level of success. It just simply will not happen ever again, probably for the Seahawks. However, do I believe that they're going to take a step forward? That remains to be seen. We have a lot of talent in the secondary, just a lot of unproven talent. Mm-hmm. Uh, guys that have played, but are they going to reach their level of potential here in this next year for Shaq Griffin in year three, for Trey Flowers year two, uh, Delano Hill and Tedrick Thompson? Those are two moving pieces that you have to figure out. You know Bradley McDougald is going to play at an extremely high level. Do they add some competition in the secondary? Those are the things that you just have to figure out. Obviously, I can't leave out Akeem King. He's going to be a big yeah, piece of this point. now that Justin Coleman's gone. So a lot of answers to be here, uh, filled with this secondary. I'm going to sneak in a, a sneaky question that wasn't in here. Okay. Of Just because it's making me think of this. Of those players, so we're including only the players Seattle has signed right now. Okay. Which of those defensive backs needs to take the biggest step forward and which of them will oh my gosh Stacy this is this is an incredibly hard question I already have my answer uh I, the guy who I feel like needs to step up is Trey flowers and it's not that I don't think that he had a good season last year he played he played incredibly well yeah. but this team needs a lockdown shutdown corner yep. and I believe Trey flowers has all the makings to make that happen 
I had the same answer. Really? Trey Flowers, to me, was the most intriguing defensive back last year. I still oh. was was interested to see how Shaquille would, would develop, but Trey Flowers really surprised me. Number three. Colin Cowherd says the 49ers will double their wins in 2019. He pits them at 10-6, and six, which, for the record, wouldn't double their wins, but that's fine. Tied with the Rams, who he says will reach the playoffs as a wild card. He pits Seattle at 8-8, eight and eight, uh, which presumably would mean they miss the playoffs. Do you agree with this prediction? You know, I, I don't agree with this prediction, honestly. I don't believe Seattle is going to be an 8-8 eight and eight team. Uh, first and foremost. And the second thing is the 49ers, they made some splash hires and they got some really good players, but they also made some really risky deals uh, with with guys that have injury problems. And so when you look at the signings that they've made... I was just going to say, I haven't even been paying close attention. If they they stay healthy, then yeah, this is going to be a really good team and a really dangerous team. Mm -hmm. Uh, It makes the division really tough. But also that when you look at the injury history of these guys... Uh, it doesn't give me a whole lot of confidence that the 49ers made uh, the, some of the uh, made good decisions, and they might have an injury plague season yet again. Number four. What one problem from 2018 did the Seahawks solve in free agency? These answers are going to be with an asterisk. Okay. Ooh, okay, okay. They're going to be with an asterisk. The the two that stand out, I mean, far and above. Number one is kicker. I had that, so I'm curious to hear your second. Okay, so Jason Myers, getting him is a huge addition and fills a huge need. Uh, having a all-pro, a Pro Bowl-level kicker is a huge need for this team. We have been snake-bitten uh, by the kicker position the last three years, uh, and, and honestly, to have a guy that you feel that you can be confident in, uh, playing the style of, uh, of game that Pete Carroll wants to play, having it close, mm-hmm. uh, is huge. It, it changes the way that you approach the two-minute drill before the half and at the end of the game. However, this is the first year for Jason Myers with the Jets that he had above a 90% uh, field goal percentage. Uh, before with the with the uh, Jacksonville Jaguars, it was around low 80s. Mm-hmm. So to me, you're taking a risk here because you don't know if Jason Myers was a one-hit wonder or if he all of a sudden turned a corner. I'm willing to make that bet because we need it, but it's still a, it's still a risk. The second, okay, the second is offensive line. Okay, Mike Upati, DJ Fluker, and here's why: Mike Upati has not been healthy since 2012. 2012. Do you remember what you were doing in 2012? Were you like six? Uh, no, in 2012. I was still at BYU. I was still at BYU. Yes, and so that, man, that brings me back. That's a long time. It's a really to, long time to ago. To not finish an entire season. I love I love his talent and what he can be, but that's a huge that's a huge thing that he has to prove. The other thing is DJ Fluker, right? It, was this a one one hit deal, or and, and also can he sustain his health through an f- entire season? So that's that's why I like those two things. I feel like they address those needs, but yeah, we'll wait and see on those. No, that's a really good point, especially with Fluker. I think for me, I'm I'm less concerned about whether it's it's just one year. I think he's got the talent. I think it's a good system for him. Mike Solari is clearly someone he works well with. I think though the health, you just hope that knee is good heading into it. But yeah, I think it was a smart move. All right, we're going to take a break from the Seahawks and jump back into the men's college basketball tournament. The Huskies are making a return to the tourney for the first time since 2011. We're just going back in time right now. Oh, yeah. Can they find consistency against one of college basketball's hottest teams? That's coming up next on Seattle Sports at Night.